just after God delivered Moses and the Israel Egypt and took them out into the wilderness and they camped pretty quickly right at the foot of Mount Sinai. And there God gave them the law, the covenant, the Ten Commandments and more. He also gave them, if you remember the end of the book of Exodus, gave them extremely detailed directions on how to build this new worship center that they were going to take in a portable fashion with them through the wilderness for 40 years, called the tabernacle. And when all the items were made quite artistically and beautifully and put together and set up, then the text tells us right at the end of the book of Exodus that the cloud of God's presence came upon that tabernacle and that Shekinah glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so that Moses couldn't even go into it. Then a few centuries later, Solomon built a more permanent tabernacle called the Temple in Jerusalem, uh, a place of beauty again that took quite a number of years to construct. And when that was all set up and ready to go, they brought the Ark of the Covenant, that worship center, holy peace, from the tabernacle that had been the temporary site for many years, brought it into the holiest place in the new temple. And then something very similar happened. The glorious presence of God came and filled that place so that the priest couldn't even stand and minister. Some way, I think we hope that that's what happens here. Maybe we're not ready for it, but it's like we don't want this just to be a beautiful place that sits empty. We don't just want it to be a place that we gather in from week to week. Every once in a while, we'll fill it with some people. We want it to be a place where God dwells where God comes and visits us in maybe special and new and dramatic ways from time to time, surprising us, pushing us off to the edges, reminding us that it's all about him, not about us and our place. That's what I think of when we renovate the space. When we come to the New Testament, we often in theology realize that some things have both stayed the same and some things have changed. And so it is with the idea of a sanctuary where God dwells. It seems we turn the page of the New Testament and things go from more bricks and mortar to flesh and blood. It is said of Jesus in John 1 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us or lived among us. That that word for live, dwelt, is the word tabernacle. Jesus came and, and was God's presence right among us as human beings, breaking in to God's creation in a new, dramatic, full, personal way. No longer just a building, but a person who was going to be here. In the next chapter, John 2, Jesus refers to his own body and says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Well, the religious leaders were confused. 
They had seen the temple complex take 38 years to be built. How is this guy going to have it destroyed and rebuilt in three days? Brian, I don't even think you could do that, could you? Couldn't pull that off. It's amazing to think that Jesus was taking this image of the temple and he was making it very personal. It was no longer just a complex, a building. It was, it was himself. He was God's dramatic, glorious, full, cloudy presence right there in our midst. So it shouldn't surprise us when we come to the writings of the Apostle Paul that he takes off on this and realizes, well, if this church is now the body of Christ still present here on earth, then under the guidance of the Holy Spirit himself, he says, I, I think we can call you a temple. And so three times, we heard it, three times Paul refers to people as God's temple. Maybe in different contexts in each of these letters, in, I believe, different dimensions in each of the occurrences. But still, we have this same theme that now the emphasis is not so much on a physical brick-and-mortar building, but more on flesh and blood kind of temples that God is interested in making his sanctuary. So if we look at each one of those texts a little closer, I start with 1 Corinthians 6 because here we see that the temple is really each one of us individually as believers in Jesus Christ. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple? And if you notice, the footnote says sanctuary. That your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God and that you're not your own. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. When we believe in Christ, when we recognize that we're not our own, that God made us and we're really his and we turn our life over to him and realize that Christ paid the price on the cross for our sin and we trust him, then God's spirit moves in and starts what I believe is a lifelong renovation project in Paul and in you. When Deborah and I moved into our home in Clarendon Hills, we saw more than any other home we'd lived in that there was some work that was needed. We looked around and we saw that this wall needed to come down, this floor needed to be extended, kitchen needed to be gutted and reconfigured, and we eventually got to bathrooms. And so it was we could see right away what needed to be done. Friends, I'd like to suggest God's Spirit comes into our lives through faith in Christ and sees the same things. He looks at each one of us, some of us needing a little more renovation than others, but still we all are in process. And it's lifelong. It never ends. God is pointing out to each one of us, let's work on this area now. It's time. This is looking a little shabby. Let's update it. We are individually those renovated sanctuaries. In Corinth, if you look closer at this context, the issue of sin in Corinth was sexual. It was sexual sin. It was right out front, and they needed to deal with it. 
it may be that we have to deal with that same sin in our day and age, in our lives. But there are lots of other areas that God points his finger at and says, let's, let's shake this up. Because if we're going to glorify God individually in our bodies, it's going to have to take God's spirit coming in and doing this renovation project in our lives, shaping us up to be the people who are more and more Christ-like, pushing out that stuff that has just gotten aged and is no good anymore. It's not helpful. Get it out. Get Christ in. And the Holy Spirit's job is to do that renovating. So I say to all of us this morning individually, trust Christ. Be filled with the Spirit and then submit, maybe even participate in his renovating project in your life and in mine. Let's willingly go along. Sometimes it hurts. Take some things apart. Rip some things. But be, re be ready to be made into the people God wants us to be. That's the first step. It's very individual. In 1 Corinthians 3, it turns a little more corporate, group. Paul again asks, do you not know that you, and if you notice in the footnote, it's pointed out plural. I wish the English had that all y'all kind of indicator. It's plural. Do you, all of you, not know that all of you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in all of you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now we're talking about a local church. God's project has turned from individuals to a local congregation. And this congregation in Corinth had some of their own issues. If you looked at the context here, it's one that we even read last week. And it speaks of divisions and certain leaders that are our heroes. And so we kind of line up and everyone tries to contribute their own work to this, to this church. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. But there's a, a renovation project going on in the local church. And so I, I see here for 125 years, I try to imagine if some of those people 125 years ago were to be here today, look around and say, wow, uh, I see some things the same, but a lot has changed. Whew. I imagine that if you were here 20 years ago and had been gone, you'd come back and say the same thing. Whew. Wow, I see some things the same, but wow, is this different? Friends, that's the way the church is supposed to be, continuously renovating, not just the space, but our life together, our ministries together, our outreach, the way we do things. Because you see, our gifts, our mix of gifts is different today than it was 125 or 20 or even two years ago. It's a different mix of gifts that God's brought here. And there are different needs in the world around us that we need to be sensitive to. So God help us when we stop changing. Get ready for a change because that's, that's what's needed. And the Holy Spirit can guide that process so that the way we make change is, is productive and helpful for keeping this ministry going. 125 years is no small thing. And I can let you know that humans can mess things up. The first church I, I served no longer exists had a 10-year life. It was a, a good but 
at times conflicted and troubling life. And, and so sometimes this, this temple, this local church temple gets destroyed because some people get in and mess things up. God help us. We have 125 years behind us. Let's, let's shoot for 125 years ahead. But friends, we're going to have to keep changing, letting God's spirit renovate us, rearrange us, help us to be more sensitive to what's going on in the world around us. There's one more step, and that's Ephesians 2. Here I really see that Paul's sight about God's temple has moved even further than the individual in the local church. Now, now Paul is seeing through his travels and his awareness in the first century, he's seeing the whole church. And he says, in him, in Christ, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This church in Ephesus, this church in the first century, was struggling to keep together Jews and Gentiles. Today we know a church that has lots of other struggles to stay together. We've got our labels. We have the Catholics and the Orthodox and the Protestants. Within Protestants, we have the mainlines and the evangelicals. And then within the evangelicals, we'll have different ethnic groups, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, or other ministries that are emphasized. We've got all our ways of breaking things down, but Jesus prayed that we would never forget that we're one. We might do things differently to reach different segments of our world, but we're, we're one, and God's spirit was dropped on the church to keep us one, to help us see this unity, that we are joined together, Paul says, and we're growing as a worldwide movement, still the, the greatest religion, the greatest faith in our world today is the Christian movement. And even with the Reformation, which I might remind you, we celebrate later this year, 500 years old, of which our church is only one quarter in age, 500 years old, the Reformation. This is something maybe not everybody in the church is celebrating, but the Reformation is something that goes on continuously. Even reformed churches need to be reformed. And so it is for us that we're always being renovated. The church of Jesus Christ always has to be reminded that we are one and we're growing together, even though we might have our different labels. Let's keep it all together and remember that that's where God dwells in his whole, big, whole structure. And so we find that the Holy Spirit is still descending upon God's temple. But God's temple is now not so much buildings, but it's people, it's individuals, you and me, it's local churches, it's a worldwide movement of the church with a capital C, the church of Jesus Christ. And God's spirit is still dwelling with that remarkable, glorious presence in that church, in those people. And he's still wanting to do this renovating work, helping us to be more like Christ, building us into the people, individual he wants us to be. And then churches being more sensitive to the quality of their ministry in a world that desperately needs to see Christ through us. 
And then also the worldwide church, with all our differences, still recognizing that we, we work together for the sake of Christ in this time, in this place. So may you always remember that you are God's sanctuary. In fact, would you turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's sanctuary? Would you say that? Can you say that? Have you ever greeted someone that way in the faith? You are God's sanctuary. Now, now look, look at one another and say, we are God's sanctuary. We are God's sanctuary. And beyond this place, God's sanctuary is in the whole movement, down through the ages, around the world of Christ church. This is where the renovating work is really taking place. You are renovating sanctuary. God, in this prayer time, I want to let you speak and individuals speak with you as we respond to your word. God, I, I know that you may want to call some, even in our midst, into personal faith with you. They've never made that decision. Maybe some who, who have not really recognized that you even through your love, don't leave us the way you, you find us and we find you. You want to change us and keep changing us. So God, hear the prayers of each individual here as we respond to our own role of participating in your spirits renovating our lives individually. Lord, I've had an opportunity to pray for this church this weekend. And yet I would ask that you hear the prayers of your people quietly throughout this place as we pray for our church, our ministry, our openness to whatever change and effective ministry you might have for us in the future. Hear the prayers of your people. too, I pray that you will hear our prayers as we think of your larger church. We're humble enough here to think we're just a, a part of your broader church plan, not only today around the world, but even down through the centuries and into the future. God, help us to see our place in the greater scheme of your strategy through your people. We pray for the church universal even now.
we remember, Lord, that Jesus said, I will build my church. And he wasn't talking about bricks and mortar, lights and carpets. He was talking about us. And so we as your people are glad to be called your people, your temple, your sanctuaries being renovated. And this we commit ourselves to be in the name of Christ, head of the church. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand for our closing hymn, a great dedication hymn.